right, we are here live on episode number one of Around the Loop, and uh, it's probably probably isn't a better day to record it. Uh, George McCaskey just had one of his famous press conferences today, postseason. Nagy and Pace are gone. We're looking for a new head coach and GM. I'm here with Lucas, Jack, and Larry. It's it's really you know really exciting to be doing a podcast with you guys. Uh, I've been looking to give Jack a platform. And uh, I know Lucas and Larry, they have their MLB podcast. You know, I have my NFL podcast, but just a good group of guys to talk Chicago sports. You know, something that we all follow heavily and deeply. And uh, it's just, you know, great to be here with you guys. You know, Will, I I know you felt bad for me and Lucas that we got locked out of our podcast. Uh, So it's good to have some work again. Uh, It's good to be back. Back in the business, baby. And Larry, you got some you got some big news to share with us. A little congratulations on a new gig. Why don't you go ahead and uh, explain that probably for the thousandth time so far? Oh, sure. So uh, long story short, uh, next season I'll be calling games for the Beloit Skycarp, uh, recently renamed from the Beloit Snappers. That's uh, the high A single season. Single season, what the hell? All right, uh, we can edit that out. Um it's the high A full season affiliate of the Miami Marlins, a brand new ballpark up there in Beloit. Uh, and I won the job in a, a bit of a contest uh, up in Beloit over the weekend, very unique type deal. Uh, broadcasted half an inning of the 2016 World Series, broadcasted game one, uh, got judged by Wayne Randazzo, Chicago native, uh, Joe Davis. Los Angeles Dodgers broadcaster, uh, among others, Brett Dolan, former major league broadcaster. Uh, so that was very unique. Um, and you know, I'm definitely grateful for the opportunity. So it's going to be fun. Well, congratulations again, Larry. That's awesome. And, you know, we're very happy to have you over here at the Pinewood squad. Uh, but let's get right into it. George McCaskey's press conference was just another brutal one. It's funny. Cause like fans, are always tweeting, why isn't George talking? Why isn't George talking? And, you know, today was a big reason and why George only talks once a year. You uh, just seen how he acted. It was, it, it, it was just very weird. Like, how do you guys, I know, Larry, you haven't gotten around to it yet, but I know Jack and Lucas, you guys have got to listen to it as well as me. How do you guys, like, like what, what's your takeaways, I guess? So I turned it on to first day of school, you know, had a little bit of a grind day and in between classes, I turned it on, um, you know, looking for some entertainment. And I think this is for me, the first time going through a GM switch and a coaching switch that I'm really into it as a bear fan. I mean, like I keep up with the everyday transactions. I keep up with the league more than ever. I wasn't doing that, you know, when pace was hired um, seven years ago or whatever it was, I wasn't active on Twitter like I am now. So it's, it's a new experience for me as a fan. And so I want to be as involved as I can. And, and I feel like that information, you know, and all these, this big press conference is more available than it ever has been. So it's something I wanted to watch. And the one thing that I take away after listening to the whole thing is that it's so easy to see why Nagy was the way that he was and why collaboration was so big and why all these like fluff words are constantly tossed out when you listen to George McCaskey talk because it's like it really is top bottom or top it's down checking the boxes. It starts with him. it's yeah checking the boxes it's like if he fits McCaskey's mold then and spits out whatever they want to say and it's just all fluff talk and it's the same thing when he talks it's the same thing when Nagy talks when Pace talked and so 
I'm really just hoping for a, a breath of fresh air with the new hires. Yeah. Um, my opinion was I'll, I'll start off positive with this. Um, he did definitely say over and over one thing that I'll say is correct. Um, it kind of doesn't matter what he said in this interview. He was saying that um, no matter what in the short term, he's not going to win anyone over, which is very true. So I'll give him credit for that. But um, I don't know that much about Bill Polian. Um, but it is, I know he's got a pretty good resume, but he's just an older fashioned guy. And when we score, like, it, it doesn't seem like we're in, like, modern football. Everyone else is scoring, like, you know, at least, like, 20 points a game. I don't know. It, it would be more refreshing to hear some younger names. So it's a little discouraging. But, again, we'll see. He said we'll see on the football field. So I'm, I want it to work. I want it to all work out. I want the right guy for Justin. I'm really excited about that. And I'm on the same page as you in that sense, Lucas. Like, the Bears have been pretty bad for so long that, like, kind of, like, I've turned out the cheek and I don't really pay attention to everything because you don't expect too much. But now it is – it's definitely a lot more tempting for me to keep up with everything and trying to see this through, see if we can really turn it into something. You know, admittedly, you know, I guess going around the circle here, admittedly, I did not watch the press conference. Uh, thankfully, uh, based on what everybody's saying, I think Will said before we started recording, it would have been a waste of time. And it was because it was very George McCaskey. It sounded very entertaining. Uh, and I'll, I'll let Will get to that part. But the one part I heard was the Olin Krutz controversy where George McCaskey straight up called the guy a liar. Now, this is a guy who's going to have a Hall of Fame speech because he was that good. You know, he's coming up. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's going to get a jacket here one of these years. And George McCaskey literally said, oh, I hope he tells that story in his Hall of Fame speech. Of course, that story being that the Bears offered Krutz a minimum wage job after he retired to help coach the offensive line. Now, that's just such a joke, and I think that encapsulates – kind of where the Bears franchise is right now, kind of from the top down. It starts with the top down, um, and eventually it all falls down to the GM, Ryan Pace, and then Matt Nagy, who are both out of jobs. Um, I think I'm probably a little more patient than the average Chicago fan. Um, I, I gave Matt Nagy and, and Ryan Pace ample credit where credit was due. But, you know, of course, last few seasons, there has not been much credit to go around. Um, but I think like Lucas and Jack said, you see today who they're dealing with um, on a daily basis. You see their bosses, George McCaskey and Ted Phillips. Ah, that's, that's tough. That's a tough hand to be dealt um, to deal with those guys who don't really seem to like football games and winning football games in particular. It was so frustrating too, because George, he was so close. Like Jack, you were saying like, the other teams, they're constantly putting up these 30-point games, averaging, you know, 20-plus. And, and George even stated in the press conference, he's like, you know, someone asked him, like, at what point did you realize, you know, a change was going to be made? He goes, you know, I'm not sure there was a certain point, but looking back, one thing that I can take away, there were two games um, where the only touchdown we scored was on the final play of the game. And that's not, that's not a modern offense. That's not 
I mean, no matter how dominant your defense is, we've seen even with that same GM and coach, we had one of the best defenses in, in my lifetime and it wasn't enough. So, you know, you have to at some point make strides and obviously he acknowledges that, but then the rest of it is just so old school. So then, you know, bring in a consultant, bring in someone who's going to help find that guy to make a modern offense, not someone who's going to bring you, you know, well, hey, I was really good in the 80s. You guys, you know, you should hire me to do that. That's not, you know, we're looking forward. And if you're going to commit, you got to commit at this point. 100 percent. And I, I like what you said. I think I could tell you the two games. One, I was at the game, the Minnesota game where Justin Fields hit. Uh, I want to say it was J.P. Holtz on a touchdown. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. it was J.P. Holtz on a touchdown who like has looked much better than Jimmy Graham this year. And then Jimmy Graham, I believe, was the other game in the playoff game last year against the Saints. We scored on the very last play of the game. And then you guys remember Jimmy Graham running into the locker room. I'm sure there's honestly probably more with Matt Nagy's offense. They always seem to put a hell of a drive together when they're down 20 points at the end of the game and the defense isn't trying. Uh, the best his offense always looks. And like I, you guys just pretty much like nailed it on the head. And I feel like Lucas really had to talk me off a ledge today. And I feel like it was like a big part of like, it, it, it's like, I've, I've heard this story a thousand times with George. I literally just watched like before we even hopped on this podcast, I watched a minute long video of him and sweaty Teddy sitting right next to each other, spilling the same bullshit that I heard today. It like, and you like, I don't know what his deal was today though. Like usually he just takes his ass beating from the media that he gets once a year but today he was a lot more he edgy. Was he was he was snappy today, and like last one, like I, like he like. So my biggest takeaways from today are one: what Larry talked about is going after Olin Cruz. It is so easy to deflect that question. You just say, "I don't want to talk about it." Owens respect the guy in the franchise, Hall of Fame career. He has his story. Maybe we just don't have our story straight. Whatever to go at him like that. I mean, he was throwing gas onto the fire. He was going at David Hall talking about, there was like a pause saying, Dave, that was the best question you've asked in your lifetime, David, when he didn't even ask a question. But like the media was after him today. Out of the gates to Hub Arkish on his head. Uh, I think Kevin Fishbane was like, what makes you think that you and Ted are qualified? And just, they're not, they're not wrong. That's the issue. Like, George wants to talk about, oh, you know, we've talked with the board and they think that I'm still qualified to be in this position. Go look at the board members. Five of their names end in McCaskey. Five of the seven are McCaskies, dude. Like, no shit you're going to keep your job. <laughs> no shit you're going to keep your job. You're talking to your 99-year-old mother. The independent board. <laughs> the un independent unbiased board. Yes, objectively Dude. said I can keep my job. And another thing I want to go at him about is how he was just so openly admitting to just not knowing football. Like, right. not like I'm a fan, not an evaluator. Then what are you doing? I'm a fan. That's that's what got me. Well, I, I don't mind the idea of Bill Polian being brought in. Like if he's like, I'm all for just having more football guys, like, because they're openly admitting that they don't know anything about football. He he taught – someone asked him about, 
when they transitioned to having Justin be the starting quarterback for the rest of the season. Um, somebody asked about that, and George was talking about how Matt came to him and asked him his opinion. And he was like, frankly, like, I don't even like that you're asking me this question. That's, yeah. a, that's a coaching question. But then you're not going to change your system to have, like, instead of just bringing in Bill Polian, like, if you're not a football guy, bring in someone you trust enough to make the decisions without you, not consult you. Because mm-hmm. that's just, I, to me, that's like, yeah. Like with Ted Phillips, he's not a football guy. You're not a football guy. The two top guys that, I mean, I guess to his credit, he kind of deflected and made it seem like Ted's really only handling the Arlington deal, and that's all of his responsibilities, like which, which, yeah, I'm perfectly fine with. And, and to Ted's credit, too, he answered a lot of the questions that George couldn't answer about that. And he gave, you know, a little bit of a timeline, said, you know, early into 2023 at the latest is when we'll probably – um get the purchase final and everything and be able to see what he we was can do. Pretty so, insightful. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So if that's all he has a say in now, then I'm fine with, but that's clearly not the case because he's in the room picking the next GM who could pick the next head coach who will make the decisions on the field. You know, it's it's funny. Everybody says, okay, we're cleaning in house. We fired the head coach, fired the GM, but not really because you've still got McCaskey and Phillips at the top. Yeah. Bearing the lead. There's been one change. The GM now directly reports to the guy that is not a talent <laughs> evaluator, who is nothing but a fan, who owns a lot of money and also happens to own the team. What sense does that make? Like, sure, I don't, I don't get it that Ed Phillips isn't a football guy. I understand that, and he's been around the team since 1999, and the Bears have only made, you know, six playoff appearances since 1999 when he's been in charge. What sense does handing the reins up make when this guy says in front of the media under pressure, under scrutiny, Oh, I'm, I'm not the talent evaluator. He's a deflector. Uh, unlike, you know, unless somebody comes at him with an Olin Cruz question, he deflects <laughs> all the blame. You know, it's easy to deflect the blame, but now what McCaskey did was made it impossible to de- deflect the blame. The GM goes to him. Everybody answers to McCaskey. Now it, it all falls on him. Exactly, 100%. And, like, uh, like another thing is, like, Ted's still the president. Like, if he is only handling Arlington, why is he still the president? Make him something else. Demo- like, demote this dude to something. Make up a fucking position for all I care. Just he shouldn't be the president of this football team. You know, the, the problem is the Bears are – business and they're run like a business the president slash ceo slash ceo was in charge of making football decisions for the last 23 years to me that's unbelievable and i you know i think of the bears and i think of a very large extended metaphor right this is a chicago podcast let's talk chicago i think of the movie ferris bueller's day off that is my favorite movie of all time and much of that movie centers around the Ferrari, Cameron's dad's Ferrari. George McCaskey is Cameron's dad. He's a character you never see once in the movie. He's always talked about. George McCaskey comes out for a press conference once a year and he gets grilled. The Ferrari 
never gets driven around. What's the point of having a Ferrari if you don't have any fun with it, if you don't drive it every once in a while? The Bears, the Bears need a Ferris Bueller. The Bears need somebody that's going to come in and drive the freaking Ferrari. Right. George McCaskey has been keeping the Ferrari in the garage for as long as he's been in charge. You got to do something, man. This is a football team. People want to win. You're making money off the people of Chicago right now, and that's all that George McCaskey has done is make money. The Bears are a business and nothing will change until making money isn't the number one goal and winning the Super Bowl is the number one goal. The Bears need a Ferris. I don't know who that guy is. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I totally agree. And I feel like that goes back philosophically. Like You're making it clear that you don't know, that you're a fan of football. You don't know about football but you don't make a clear distinction in leadership and responsibilities, you know? Like you said, like, make him something else. Create a different role. Create responsibilities. Like, if that was, like, consistent, where it's like, I don't know football, and I'm going to make it clear that my job doesn't involve that much football, that'd be fine. But it just seems like he's trying to do both. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. I do want to give him some credit, though, because like Will said, I, I did, you know, kind of try and talk some faith back into him because at the end of the day, I don't think that that press conference is going to dictate how the offseason goes. I don't think that that press conference necessarily is who's going to uh, or is, is going to change who we're going to hire. I still think we're one of the, you know, top two or top three, um, like, best situations for both a GM and a head coach. Uh, to come into I think you know if you can get past that kind of drama aspect I still think there is a lot of um, bright spots on the team and to his credit you know I guess one thing I did like in the very beginning he called out Roquan he called out Montgomery as players who he thought like played like Chicago Bears like gave it everything they had and I liked it because I just hope that that means Roquan will sign an extension with the Bears I hope that you know they'll want to stay playing for this team and you know maybe that's a step in the right direction towards building somewhat of a culture you know because we obviously have nothing right now but I still think that we're going to get a a good head coach at the end of this I you know I think that yeah we have some you know old farts in the decision making rooms and we have the unorthodox style of going at it I would say but you know I still think we have a good uh, a good role that the head coach would be assuming so I don't know. I just don't want to overreact right now just based off of one press conference, off of one guy who, at the end of the day, he even admitted what goes on this offseason isn't going to change any fans' minds. Uh, No matter who we hire, someone's going to be pissed off and they're going to be upset until they see the actual performance. So I've been, you know, since like week five of this NFL season, just looking forward to this offseason because I knew the season wasn't really going anywhere. So I'm still excited to see what we can do with the cap that we have with, you know, whoever the new uh, front office end up, ends up being. And, you know, I'm still excited and very much optimistic. It's true. Um, I would say the one thing to add to that is actions speak louder than words, right? You know, George McCaskey can come out and, and say all this and get everybody all riled up. But, you know, if he goes out and hires somebody good or his board goes out and hires somebody good, then who cares at the end of the day, right? You know, hopefully – we're going to get some solid change and obviously dismissing Nagy and dismissing pace is a step in the right direction. 
Uh, the thing that kind of concerns me, you know, I thought he should go, but, you know, McCaskey says he's not a talent evaluator, but I think Ryan Pace was a very good evaluator of talent. I don't think maybe he was great with um, trades, uh, decisions at the end of the day, um, free agency, negotiating. I think those were weak points, but I think he all <laughs> – Luke, as Lucas counts the weak points, hey, generally positive. not a good GM, but he always made good draft decisions uh, outside yeah, of agree. Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, he was always so great in the late rounds. Uh, so I think the Bears need a guy like that, especially if the ownership is going to stay the same and they want to crunch pennies. You need somebody to take advantage of every single draft pick you have, especially upcoming when you don't have a first rounder. 100%. And like, I feel like that's just like almost a great point. I just get one more point in here. And I will say, I do feel a lot better after talking with you guys. Like I said, Lucas did talk me off the edge earlier. And I just feel like it's my main thing is like, it just, it hurts so much not to have football guys running it. Jerry Angelo was hired by a search for search firm. You had Ryan Pace hired by Ernie Okosari. I don't know. He was an old legend. He had a big thing in the Colts. He was a huge thing, a part of the John Elway trade. And then now you have Bill Polian coming in and, um, you know, hopefully hiring a good GM candidate. It's like they're they're just hoping to get it right. Like they don't know what's right. And they're just hoping that whoever they bring in can get it right. And then we go from there. And I feel like that's just what is probably the most frustrating thing to me. But Larry, you transitioned perfectly into, you know, GM talks. The Bears have three interviews lined up right now. Morocco Brown is the Colts director of college scouting. Uh, Kwesi Odolfo Mensa is the VP of football operations for the Cleveland Browns. And Glenn Cook is the VP of player personnel for the Cleveland Browns. Those are three names right now who we will be interviewing at some point throughout the week. Um, and could potentially be our, you know, new GM. And I will say one, one of the three names that stands out to me is Morocco Brown, uh, Colts director of college scouting. When you look at the Indianapolis Colts over the last, you know, few years, they've done a really good job at drafting. I mean, Quentin Nelson is arguably the best offensive lineman in football. He's built a, they, they've built a, a phenomenal offensive line over there. Um, Darius Leonard was like a third round pick. They've made trades for DeForest Buckner that have worked out well. They've built a good secondary over there. They have playmakers on both sides of the ball. My big thing about Morocco Brown is, um, you know, and just the Colts in general actually has been their issue handling the quarterback situation since Andrew Luck. You've had three different starting QBs. You've had Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers, and now... Carson Wentz and none of them really seem to be playing out that well the one positive is he's coming into a situation where he has a rookie quarterback or a second year quarterback now with a lot of promise in Justin Fields and there's not many I mean if you look at it truly like Lucas said it's it's enticing you know team to come into if you get past the George McCaskey and Ted Phillips or your higher ups your bosses it's an enticing situation we have weapons on both sides of the ball young weapons too you know, our defense is aging, but younger guys are filling in. So I would probably say Morocco Brown right now is my top candidate out of those three. And I'd be down with it. I don't I want to know if there's any like candidates you guys would like to see for the GM. I think a popular one, a popular name gets tossed around is Lewis Riddick. Um, he's like a 
uh, fan favorite. You know, he's he's on TV a lot. He's in the booth a lot. Um, he's a player, of course. And I think um, my biggest thing is he hasn't been in football or like in that role in a while. Um, I don't know what his most recent role is, but I think his last like true front office role was about 2013. And so it worries me that um, he's one, not experienced as a GM, um, which none of the guys that we're interviewing are obviously, but um, also just being you know eight years out of the, the game or in that role, especially. Um, I just feel like it'd be, uh, I don't even know the, it, but just like a, not really a smoke and mirrors hire, but just like a flashy hire, I guess. And just one that will get people to be excited, of course, but I don't know if it'd really be the, the smart one uh, because I really do like Morocco Brown. I think he has Chicago Bears ties, of course. Um, and particularly with his strength being college scouting, um, I think drafting consistently is what kept Ryan Pace here for seven years. Um, because obviously not nailing the quarterback position is huge and he kind of messed that up for forever. So uh, the one thing that did keep him around was that, and that's got to be consistent. You look at the teams like Baltimore constantly drafting well, Indy who's drafted well recently and has been, you know, competing recently. Um, if it wasn't for that one straight, I'm sure they would have been a playoff team, you know, <laughs> but I think that, you know, that's the most important part um, of building like a perennial, um, contender outside of like building a culture, of course. And I think that that won't necessarily be the GM's um, like main priority picking the head coach, because as we know, that could be done before we even have a GM. So I think college scouting is really important. And I think Morocco Brown has proven that he can do that really well. And so for me, I'd be at this point, very happy if they pulled the trigger, you know, quickly. Yeah, one minute, I want to talk about Lewis Riddick real quick. I, I will say I feel like he deserves an interview. I that but that like what you nailed on all the points that worry me just as well. Um, I think he was a part of the Andy Reid regime. I think when they completely cleaned house, he was gone. And you know, I think he's joined ESPN since. Uh, but he does sound like a guy who is like willing to give it his all. Like he he, you know, he's been big on Chicago. Um, especially with like, even with Matt Nagy and it worries me that he liked Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky so much because neither of those guys have played out for us, but he sounds like a guy who's going to give it his all. Um, He's going to put his heart and soul into the team. So I think it'd be stupid not to at least toss him an interview. I know we had some last year that didn't end up working out, but like you said, I'd probably say Morocco Brown would, you know, probably be my top candidate. Another name I want to touch on is Joe Schoen. I believe is how you pronounce his last name, assistant GM of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, if you see what they've built over there in Buffalo, it's pretty damn good. Uh, and, you know, I feel like they've drafted pretty decently. Obviously, Josh Allen, big pick, Tredavious White being a, a big pick. You know, they got him late, too. Um, they've been a team known to trade back in the draft and then still draft well with those picks that they gather. So I think that, you know, with a team with the next few years, not looking like we have a lot of draft stock, you know, I could get some, I could get behind something like that. You just need a smart guy. That's the bottom line. Yeah. That sounds stupid. I know. Um, admittedly, I'm not the biggest football guy and I don't follow the front office stuff as closely as you guys do. Um, but like Will said, I mean, there's not a lot of draft stock as a team. You're going to run into some obvious challenges um, with, 
guys who were key parts of this year's team who can walk if they want. Roquan Smith, namely, I mean, he's going to be a guy that's entering free agency coming up and a handful of other guys they need to figure out. I mean, you look at the last two years, the thing that's frustrated me the most with the Bears is had two star players, one on each side of the ball that I think the Bears have really bungled. And one is Allen Robinson. Uh, obviously, tagging him and putting him under the franchise tag, that really pissed him off. And I really think it affected his performance. I'll give the guy a benefit of the doubt, but he just had a very bad year, uh, obviously. And it didn't, doesn't take any sort of analyst to realize that. Um, but I think there's a chance that that contract situation affected his on-field performance. Um, and I think the Bears screwed up that negotiation. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, doesn't come around, you know, every year. You know, that's a guy that has a lot of talent. Uh, I think the Bears did a good job acquiring him in the first place. And they obviously saw him as an investment. And then when it came time to pay up, they didn't treat him as one. And then you go a year further back and it's Kyle Fuller. I mean, that's the guy that was so key to the secondary. He was a guy that the Bears drafted and had in the organization since day one. You got to find a way to keep him there. Uh, and the Bears, I think, franchise tagged him. Um, and he left. Obviously, the Bears traded him because they screwed up the cap. Um, so that, that's a guy that you need to find a way to keep on your defense. And the Bears didn't. So you need somebody who can negotiate contracts because uh, Ryan Pace did not. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, for the most part, that Joe Schoen that I was just talking about, you know, he's already got Josh Allen locked up. He's already getting to it. He's um, who do you, I'm pretty sure he just extended Tredavious White very recently. He's getting his, his players signed. Obviously, his most important one in Josh Allen. Not messing around with that out of the gates. You know, maybe a little earlier than some would assume, but he got it for cheap. You wait around like you did with Patrick Mahomes. You're talking a $50 million contract right there. You give Josh Allen another year after his – tremendous season in your what was his third year you give him another you know year of him playing like that you're talking you're he's going to be asking for 50 million dollar contract like that so he got him locked up early seeing the talent right away and uh that that's that's what we need we need to, a guy who can draft well and keep his players locked in to this franchise and just someone good with money that was at the end of the day i think in my opinion probably Pace's biggest knock was money. It, I mean, the cap situation is, you know, hasn't been the greatest in Chicago. Like you said, we've had to cut Kyle Fuller. There was other options to cut like Jimmy Graham, and he made the wrong choice because Jimmy Graham's play sure as hell wasn't worth $9 million this year. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, he had to make a decision to cut one of those guys. We've let guys go in the past. We had to let Adrian Amos pretty much walk because we couldn't pay him enough money. You know, at the time, yeah, was Amos like – you know, the ninth best guy on that defense that was, you know, third best defense of the decade. Yeah, he was. But you're looking at it now and you're like, damn, I wish we had Adrian Amos. I know we all wish we had him. I mean, I miss the fuck yeah. out of him. I hate watching him win in Green Bay. Especially seeing him twice a year. Like, yeah, it's, yeah that could. it's easy to see. You know, I think there's such there's such uh, an idea, and I wish I could call it a misconception, but I was at the, the Philly special, or not the Philly special, the double doing. Um, I saw the, the game end and Alshon Jeffrey turn around and give the entire Chicago crowd the double bird. Um, but it's such an idea that people don't want to play in Chicago. You know, it's where quarterbacks go to die or, you know, it's a quarterback killer or whatever. And, and it's not, you know, where people want to play. 
but a GM's got to change that. And if it's like a player's type of guy like Lewis Riddick where, you know, people have experience in the league, you know, playing for one of his teams that, you know, he's a younger guy. So, you know, people know him better than some of these outdated, you know, businessmen type guys. And if you want to dive in and, and only hire football people, and if you want to really hire a football guy, I mean, Lewis Riddick's the way to go. Because, I mean, he's everywhere in the game right now, even though he's not in the front office. So, um, I like I said, I still have a lot of confidence in a lot of the route that they can go here. But um, if you want to dive into the football side of it, I, I think I'm talking myself into Lewis Riddick right now. That's where we're at right now. I like it. We, <laughs> we, we started with – we started with, uh, you know, yeah, Lewis Riddick might not be that guy. And now we're at the point where Lewis Riddick might just be that guy. He might be that guy. But, but, but you're right. I mean, you are right. We, we need guys to keep – we need a guy to come in here and keep our players around. Musa Muhammad said the famous quote back in, like, 2008, you know, Chicago is where wide receivers go to die. And if you've looked at every receiver that we've had up to that point, there's no reason that – I don't even know his name. Like, fuck – Robert Robbie Morris or something like that is still our leading receiver with 5,000 yards. And you look at the receivers that we've had these last few years, Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey, and now Allen Robinson. I finally felt like we were getting it right with Allen Robinson. And now we're not going to have a receiver to break that record. You know, Anthony Miller came in here talking about how he wanted to break all the bears records. He's gone. So we just need, we need a guy to keep players around because obviously we haven't been able to do that. We've gone through numerous quarterbacks, numerous wide receivers, uh, running backs, you know, Jeremy Langford, Jordan Howard, now David Montgomery. I would love to see David Montgomery rushing in a Bears uniform for five more years. I'd love to see Roquan Smith playing linebacker for, for five more years. So I think that should just be the main focus point is getting a GM and start getting some contracts signed because Roquan needs one. Montgomery's due for a contract. And, you know, looking down the road, we're going to be, you know, in – Pretty solid cap situation when our left tackle, potentially our potential future left tackle and Tevin Jenkins and our quarterback are going to be needing contracts. And that's two, it's two huge positions right there. You're talking about the highest paid player in football and the second highest paid player in football right there. So I feel like that should be, you know, the, the focus point, like Lucas said, is finding a guy to keep players around. And uh, I think it's time to move on to head coaches where we can all, you know, dive in a little bit more, a lot more names. Uh, right now, three interviews have been lined up. Leslie Frazier, Doug Peterson, and Brian Dabble. So you got both the D.C. and the O.C. from the Bills. And we all know Doug Peterson, former Super Bowl winning Eagles coach who was pushed out of Philly and is, you know, now in the market looking to get his second chance in the NFL. Uh what would you guys say out of these three entices you guys the most? Uh, I will go uh, D, none of the above. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, man. Uh, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Louis, uh, Lucas has his Luis Riddick. Uh, I've got my Jim Harbaugh. I was thinking about it at first. I'm thinking, okay, this is totally outlandish. You know, this is a guy that left the NFL and went to Michigan and had marginal success. You know, one college yeah, football playoff. Beat Ohio State once. That's it. However, he's got a great NFL track record, and that's a guy who knows how to win. He knows the city of Chicago. I think that would be just in terms of 
uh, you don't want to hire based off names, but you know, you take a, a combination of things and I think that's a home run hire. I, I think a college game is totally different than the NFL. Uh, the way you handle a locker room is completely different. And I think that's something important to consider. Um, you know, not saying that he handled the locker room in Michigan poorly, um, but recruiting is a big part of the job there. He's been criticized as maybe not a good recruiter. And at the NFL level, you don't have to recruit the money recruits. Um, so I think if Jim Harbaugh ends up in Chicago, that would be a good hire. He's played there. He knows what it takes to, to win to a certain extent. I think that would be a, a good option. Yeah, I feel like we've all kind of been drinking the Kool-Aid. And I feel like I, I, I feel like I don't know a Bear fan that hasn't been in the exact situation that Larry's been in. At first, when I hear Jim Harbaugh come up, all I think about is last five years of Michigan getting stopped by Ohio State, you know, one college football playoff. And then you sit by there Wisconsin. You, yeah, you sit there and you think <laughs> on that name for a while and you're like, wait a minute, this, this might be a home run hire, like seriously. And it, it brings me back to like my younger days when I remember, I, I've always just had a bone to pick with Jerry Jones. I've just never been a Jerry Jones guy. But my dad was like, the one person right now who I'd love to own the Bears is Jerry Jones. And I'm like, well, why? He's an idiot. He's a clown. People are always talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Always. Their name is always in their mouth. Yeah, it's always in people's mouths, the Dallas Cowboys. You bring in Jim Harbaugh, people are going to be talking about the Chicago Bears. Like it, it'll be all over the media. People are going to be talking about the Chicago Bears. They're going to be saying Justin Fields' name a hell of a lot more than they already are. And I feel like, you know, like Larry said, he's got ties to Chicago. Mike Ditka is his mentor. We drafted him in the first round. He's got young talent to work with. He had to play Justin Fields. He had to play Justin Fields and he lost to Justin Fields twice. So like he knows the talents there. And I feel like you bring in Jim Harbaugh, a big thing about him, he's a football guy. He's a guy that fights for his team day in and day out. We, there hasn't been a whole lot of fighting out of Matt Nagy lately. You know, you know, multiple situations where he had a chance to stand up for his team and his players, and he just shit the bed in his pressers and said the same shit that George McCaskey and Ted Phillips have been saying their whole lives. It's like we have a, we have a chance now to go get someone like that. Personally, I think that it's not going to work out. I think he truly is using this as leverage with Michigan because they're already talking about another contract extension, even though he just got one last year. So I think that's personally how that's going to play out, but I'd love the Jim Harbaugh hire, obviously. Yeah, no, I totally do too. And out of the three that you mentioned, Will off the bat, I'd say probably Brian Dabble, just because he's an offensive minded guy. I don't think well, Leslie Frigio hasn't had success as a head coach. Uh, when he was with Minnesota, it, it didn't go well. And I don't think that a defensive-minded um, coach is necessarily the route that I want to go. Although he has had, you know, really success, uh, really successful defense in Buffalo uh, the past couple of years that he's been there. But it's just not who I want to go with. And Dabble obviously has had equally successful offense. Um, and that's what the Bears have been lacking. So maybe it's just me wanting to see a change of pace or a change of style for the team. But um, out of those three, that's who I'd go with. And I like the Harbaugh um, thought, Larry, because I think he's, you know, the best or probably the most experienced, most successful, and also possibly available. Um, but I think if you do a little digger deep in, um, deep, deeper digging, there we go. Um, 
you could find a little Sean Payton action, maybe. And I think I was that, just gonna say, uh, who do we have? Who do I have to sleep with? Yeah, <laughs> that that I always talk about. I was I was waiting moments, man. Movie I was waiting moments. for the. I was waiting for like the serious, like for the people that have something serious to say. I was like, yeah. <laughs> "What? What do we got to do? Let's make it happen." Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, yeah. with Ryan Pace being fired, that's one one thing we had going for us that's kind of no longer there because they had a little New Orleans connection from when Pace was over there. But um, you know, obviously, Sean Payton's from Illinois, played football in Illinois. Maybe he just is secretly a huge Chicago Bears fan. And, you know, his quarterback situation, if we're getting real specific, isn't the best in New Orleans right now. I mean, I mean, I mean, really, they don't have much working with them at all. Taysom Hill has a bad injury. They're still a good team, and he's still such a good coach, which is why I think, you know, if you brought him, he's young enough where you could really, like, that could be, you know, I don't know. I'm just getting way ahead of myself. I'm thinking 20 years down the line right now. Sean Payton goes into <laughs> when the, the dynasty's over. Yeah. Hey, you yeah. know, I've got like my replica I'll talk rings to Paul covering all my fingers. You <laughs> know, <laughs> Jack, Jack brings up a great point. You know, I think the Bears, somebody would have to, you know, do something under the table, something shady uh, to bring Sean Payton to Chicago. The Bears aren't poaching anybody. Come on, who are we kidding? Yeah. You know, you saw Matt Nagy have a great first season and then flounder. What do you think happened? What do you think happened? Well, something behind the scenes that we don't know. Uh, something non-specific uh, pressure from the front office. Um, I think people are probably afraid to come and take the job um, and maybe they'll think they'll be a puppet. So, you know, I think Chicago is a great football town. I think when the Bears are good, you know, the city doesn't, you know, treat them just like another team. I mean, the Bears are number one. That's no secret. Uh, there's no two teams. It's not an NBA team. It's an NFL team. Uh, even though the Bears have not done much winning, when they win, uh, the city gets behind them. That's very enticing, but they have not won, and the infrastructure is not great right now. So I, I don't think the Bears are going to poach anybody from an NFL job. Maybe Jim Harbaugh. I, Sean Payton would be awesome. Mike Tomlin would be awesome. That's another name that – people have been blogging yeah. about um but it's just not gonna I don't happen see it. yeah i don't see i don't see tomlin yeah it, it it yeah it's just but yeah i love sean payton i love mike tomlin it's just i like like larry's saying i can't see us poaching away anyone right now and out of the three so far leslie frazier is by far on the bottom of my list and when i heard his name pop up as the first interview today i about threw up Leslie Frazier, Leslie Frazier played DB for Chicago Bears in the 1985 Super Bowl. So, you know, George has a hard on right there. Bam. 85 Chicago Bears, baby. We're bringing back he's the guy winner. who, yeah, he's a winner. Yeah. Look at his numbers in Minnesota. Tell me if he's a winner when he was the head coach. Yeah. His defense is doing successful. Yeah. He has experience as a head coach. That, that could be things that I would could get behind. But it, it just doesn't make sense for this team right now. Like Lucas was saying, I don't want a defensive guy in here again. You know, this would just seem to me like another John Fox hire. And, and, I, and I, I can't get behind another John Fox hire. I can't get behind that. Doug Peterson, I would like a hell of a lot more than Leslie Frazier. But I, 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 it's still like I want I do. I do think he deserves another chance. I just don't want it to be with Chicago, really. 
Uh, yeah, he kind of got screwed over in Philly. I think that, you know, the higher ups over there really, you know, drove this narrative of him and Carson Wentz, you know, not getting along. Uh, things just weren't going right for Philadelphia anymore. They kind of slipped when Frank Reich went to Indianapolis. The offense wasn't as good as it once was. Um, so that does worry me a little bit. And then Brian Dabble has been a name that's kind of, you know, stuck out to me since the beginning of the season. And even looking into last year, too, I really like Brian Dabble. He didn't get the job. You know, I know he had a couple interviews last year. But I feel like there's some like one thing about Brian Dabble, I will say, is when you look at how he what he did with Josh Allen, he turned him into a great quarterback. Like he was a part of that. Josh Allen struggled in his first two years. Again, you know, their second year, his second year, he did get them to the playoffs. But I, even in the playoff game, he was making some mistakes there. And then he turned him into, you know, a top five QB in this league. So when you have a young quarterback like Justin Fields, who we need to be a top five quarterback in this league to start winning some ball games and push this new narrative in Chicago, like Brian Dabble does stick out. You know, the arm strength of Justin Fields is there. Same with Josh Allen. They're both very mobile quarterbacks. I'd give even the mobile edge to Justin, obviously. You know, much more enticing with his legs. But a name that's like flying under the radar right now, and I don't know how he hasn't gotten a single interview, you know, yet he has not landed a single interview, is Greg Roman. And speaking of Harbaugh, he was Harbaugh's OC for the Niners days. Uh, even bringing in Greg Roman, you know, there's been this talks of Jim Harbaugh, oh, we're getting the gang back together. Vic Fangio's coming with them. He's come back to Chicago. We could see something like that happen with Greg Roman. They work together in the 49ers. And I feel like what really sold me on him is when I watched that Bears-Ravens game earlier in the year. You know, they didn't score a lot of points, but Tyler Huntley moved the ball on us. There's so much misdirection in their offense. You know, you got the whole offense moving to the right, and Mark Andrews is slipping out to the left. I can see it already in my head right now. Justin Fields, Nicole Komet. A lot of misdirection. Design QB runs, which we've seen very lack of out of Justin Fields this year. It like at the end of the day, really, I, I think that this could be the best candidate for the Chicago Bears. And when you compare Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields, yes, Lamar's got an MVP under his belt. I'm not saying that Justin Fields is better than Lamar Jackson, but you look at their arm talent and you see a gap. You do. Is Justin Fields going to put it all together? We don't know. But you see a major gap in the talent with his arm. He's got a strong deep ball, a very accurate deep ball. We've seen it so many times this year. Lamar doesn't, on the other hand. So people always knock on him, knock on Greg Roman, as has been, you know, they haven't been able to move the ball deeply. Well, Lamar isn't the greatest deep passer. You know, he adds so much to their offense with his legs. He is by far the best running quarterback that we have seen since Mike Vick, there's no doubt about that. But we haven't seen, you know, his arm be able to move the ball deep. We have a quarterback that can do that and add that same style of offense with his legs. So I personally believe Greg Roman should, you know, be at the top of the list with out of realistic hires. You know, obviously, I think Jim Harbaugh is probably at the top of my list if he does take an interview. Um, but as of right now, I was sold on Dabble. At the start of the season, Greg Roman's my guy moving forward, and I would yeah, be I, psyched. Yeah, no, I wouldn't totally mind agree. Roman. Like, I wouldn't um, mind at all because shit, he's done. He's done well with less than what I think 
I'm not saying he has less now because he obviously has Lamar, but he's done better. Well, and Lamar was such a big team. question. Yeah, but how long has Roman been the offensive coordinator for the Ravens? Oh, has he been there the entire time Lamar has? Greg Roman. Let me look it up real quick. I want to say it's – He was like 2019. 2019, 2020, 2021. So, yeah, he's had three seasons as OC. And his last game was – Lamar, last... Lamar was a 2018 pick. So, his rookie year, there was no Greg Roman. Bam. Greg Roman pulls up. Lamar's an MVP. Yeah. And we've seen, I remember what we were saying after Lamar's, you know, rookie year. You know, it wasn't too hot. Nobody was really too hot right. at Lamar. And I think know, I think Roman would be such an easy sell too. I just think like there are similarities between the team that we have. Like we don't have great wide receivers. Baltimore doesn't have great wide receivers. We could really have a solid run game just like they do. I mean, they set records yeah. for how consistent their their ground game is. So um I think that's something Bears fans would love to see. It's something that fits the mold of what George McCaskey was talking about in this press conference. The first word he said that when someone asked them, you know, who they're looking for was tough. I think that that, you know, being a Baltimore guy, they say the same thing. I know there's always been comparisons between the two teams um, in that regard. And so, you know, I think it'd be an easy sell for them. And I think, like he said, it, out of the, it'd be very realistic. And so I'd like to see his name, you know, come up on my Twitter feed as, you know, having an interview set up here. Oh, 100%. And I feel like we, I, I, maybe I'm biased here, but I feel like we have a better situation than Baltimore offensively. Maybe not offensive line wise, but there's pieces moving forward. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out, Larry. You're laughing at me now. You're laughing. You're laughing at me now. Looking to the future outside of quarterback play. They do have an MVP. They do have an MVP. <laughs> I was gonna say, come on, Will. We have outside of quarterbacks. Outside of quarterbacks. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid right now. Let me have my Kool-Aid moment. Okay. Outside of quarterbacks, you know, their offense. We have a Super Bowl MVP. Sort of struggled. Their offensive line sort of struggled this year. They lost. Uh, who they trade away? Ronnie Stanley. Is that who it was? Orlando Brown Jr. One of them. They traded one of them away. The first round picks. Uh, so it struggled a little bit. Andrew Villanueva came in, didn't do that hot. You know, Mark Andrews didn't start getting hot until like his third year in the season. Cole Komet has promised. He pisses me off so much, and I bitch about him on Twitter all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he has promise. He does. You look at our receiving core. You know, Hollywood Brown. You know, Darnell Mooney. Give me Mooney. Like, give me give me Mooney. Give me Mooney and. What, they broke the NFL team rushing record with Mark Ingram? Give me David Montgomery. Give me David Montgomery all day. I mean, come on here, folks. It, it should be an easy sell, like Lucas said. And if Justin Fields can put it together with that arm talent, bro, this is a better offense. This is a better offense. I'm taking, I'm taking Mooney over Hollywood. You know, obviously Mark Andrews is much better than Cole Komet, but Cole Komet shows promise to get to that point one day. Um, and we've got money to spend. We're 11th in cap next year. Uh, Michael Gallup, Chris Godwin, some big wide receiver free agents. And who knows, you know, maybe a new coaching staff and a new GM can come in here and talk A-Rob off a ledge and get back to that, you know, good play. You know, that's that's me drinking way too much Kool-Aid there. But, you know. Yeah, it smells like a burnt bridge there. Kobe was a bull in 2007. Kobe was a bull in 2007. (laughs) It didn't happen. It didn't happen, okay? 
Like, last thing thing I have to say about the head coaches is that, honestly, don't remember what I was going to (laughs) say. I knew I knew I wanted to say something. That's a fair point. I love it. Sorry, we got. Hey, we need an edit every episode. One little note of positivity. I'll (laughs) just I'll just sum this up. My feeling is, I think if we can hire a GM that helps get rid of the stigma that players don't want to come to Chicago. Doesn't even have to be completely flipped, but at least like if we can dilute that pretty far to where we can get a good head coach that's excited about a possible new stadium, the prospect of what he can do with Justin and the few guys that we still have on defense. Like if we can inspire, I feel like if we can inspire a talented enough coach, like it can be really good. Like inspire him to come to Chicago. Hundred percent. And you know, Lewis Riddick hopped on six seven of the score. I think a couple weeks ago. It, it, it's the Chicago Bears. Somebody's gonna want to come in there and switch that franchise around. You know, Theo Epstein left the Boston Red Sox to come to the Cubs, and he turned that franchise around. Somebody's gonna want to switch around the Chicago Bears. And you know, Arturus is Karnasovas, baby. Like, somebody's going to want to come turn these franchises around. You know if you win in Chicago, it means a lot to the city, to the fans. So somebody's going to want to come do it. It's just and a matter I, of time. I think it's got – dude, I'm, I'm sold on Greg Roman. I think Harbaugh's a Kool-Aid hire. I would love it, obviously. I just think it's a little far-fetched. He's played for both the Harbaugh brothers. He's from Jersey. I mean, come on. This dude is all – this is grit right here. He's screaming grit. Hey, listen, if the if the White Sox could get the great Tony LaRussa out of retirement <laughs> to come coach the White Sox in present day, then anything is possible. Yeah. Don't tell me it's not. All right. So Bulls basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Bulls, baby. Something worth, you know, something enjoyable, man. I mean, Talk about saving the city of Chicago. Because if you look at the rest of it, other than the White Sox, it's rough. The Hawks are bad. The Bears are really bad. The Cubs just, you know, hitting that retool. We don't, I mean, we're in a lockout. Who knows if we're going to have baseball this year? The Bulls are saving the city right now. They are. They truly are. And uh, damn, it feels good. Damn, it feels good. And it's funny, like what Jack said. It, we, <laughs> How we open up the Pinewood perspective every week with me, Brett, and Justin. We just always talk about our weekends. And I'm like, you know, watch the Bulls. Enjoyed it. Like, and Brett's like, this should just be the NBA podcast. You just always got to talk about the Bulls on here. And I'm like, I can't talk about the Bears. And this was like in season. Now we have actually something to talk about. You know, I, it's fun talking about the Bulls. So Bulls coming off a loss. But nine games before that were all wins. They're nine and one in their last ten and, you know, since this is our first podcast, I think we can get like the, mo- like the most basic questions out the way uh, to see like how we all truly feel about this team. And then moving forward, you know, next couple podcasts, we can dive into the analytics and all that and go game by game. Really, is there really any team out there right now that you think that the Bulls can't compete with in a seven game series? Define compete. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, beats, beats, beats. Because I think the word no. we're looking for is beats. Is okay. there? Any, okay, there's right. some. I don't know if you've heard of them, but there's like this team out west. They just got some guy that makes pots or something. Clay, like Dirt Thompson, Clay Thompson. Something. Yeah, Stone. Yeah, I don't know. They just got that team scary. Yeah. What What do they have? The best record in the NBA. And they haven't had him. On the Suns, I think the Suns still oh. they're like thirty and nine last I checked, but could have changed. So. Right. It's oh, neck and neck. It's not by much. Like four games. If you look at those four games, bro, we'd be like thirty and eleven right now. I ain't worried about it. Right. I ain't worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'll be honest about it though. I I think the Bucks still scare me just because he's honest. I think that his ability in a seven game series and the way that those series pan out, they always managed to really point out your weaknesses. And there's no question that um, the Chicago Bulls' weakness right now is the power forward position. They need another big. Um, obviously, losing P-Dub, Pat Williams in the beginning of the year, possibly for the full season. I don't know. There's kind of been some chats, and by chats, I mean tweets lately, um, about him possibly coming back at the end of the season. And so that obviously be nice. But for now, you know, there's a huge gap there. We've got Caruso starting that powerful. We've got, you know, Derek Jones Jr., which I don't mind, but these aren't guys we'd like to see there. So I think in a, you know, seven-game series, like I said, um, it comes down to a Giannis has done it against the highest of competitions. He's already done it before, and the Bulls team is not, has not done it. And, um, you know, until we make a move, which I have no doubt that, I mean, Talk about front office change just working out beautifully. The the morale and the feeling behind this team is just amazing since we've made that. And I have no doubt that um, since we've made that move, sorry, but and I have no doubt that we'll continue to make, you know, whether it be a one trade or a few that uh, get us a more complete lineup. Um, I think we'll be competing. We'll win a playoff series. I think right now that's how I feel about the team. I think, you know, we're a conference finals type team. And, you know, could be competing for the finals type team, but it's, there's still a lot of teams that's scary because of our, you know, one weakness, really. I, I, I agree with Lucas. I think it's the Bucs. Uh, and that obviously that is far from ideal, having that one team be in your conference. Uh, when people and everybody's talking about how the Bulls need to be the favorite uh, in the Eastern Conference, um, size presents an issue. And I was listening to Casey Johnson on 670 The Score talk about this the other day. And there's a different type of style of play in the regular season and the postseason, uh, and specifically on the offensive side. I think if you really have a, a big who can dominate and take over a game, I think that's such a difference maker. Um, and that guy is Giannis right now. You can argue that he's the most dominant player on the planet. Maybe not the best overall, but I think when he gets going, I mean, it's a problem. Nobody can stop him. You can throw whatever you want at him, but he can just score at will, rebound at will, and do what you want or do what he wants with the game. Um, so I think that presents a problem. I don't think the Bulls have necessarily the resources to stop somebody like that if he really gets going. That said, the Bulls can beat the Bucs in a game or two or three. Uh, I don't know if they can take them in a series, but, you know, you look at the Western Conference, if we really want to get ahead of ourselves, you look at the Warriors on paper, I think they're a fine matchup for Chicago. You look at the Suns on paper, I think they're a fine matchup for Chicago. Um, 
So it really comes down to matchups, and I think it also kind of comes down to timing. Uh, like Lucas said, I think they need to make a move for a power forward uh, before the deadline here. Maybe um, not part with Kobe, right? Kobe White, if possible. Uh, that's going to be a dilemma. Uh, do you really want to go for it right now? Do you really want to go all in? And I think if you do, then maybe trade Kobe White. Uh, I think if I'm the GM, obviously I'm far from it, and I'm glad I'm not the GM. I don't trade Kobe White. I make some sort of supplementary move, uh, maybe focus on on the defensive side rather than the offensive side. Larry, would you rather trade Kobe White or Patrick Williams? I think Patrick Williams. Um, really? I think Patrick Williams has more upside, but if you're looking at a win-now perspective, we know that Kobe White has uh, – a big value to this team and that's scoring off the bench uh, and he can fill any role. He can step up and start. If you need him to, he can come off the bench and fill it up. If you need him to, he can be that spark and pick up a few bucks and that's it. If you need him to um, P will obviously has been a little more injury prone, but he's still young and has a long way to go. Um, I think he can obviously be a very productive NBA player, but I think right now, if you're looking win now mode, I don't know. I don't know, but I'd probably go with trade P. Will. Well, yeah, there's always the factor that P. Will likely is going to give you zero production this year. So Kobe White, you know, keeping him on your team, that's a player that's going to produce something for you. And Patrick Williams, you know, he's younger. He's kind of in this role where I think around the league, it's commonly thought that he could really become something of a, a two-way star, someone who can, if he takes that leap offensively, I think defensively, the um, the roots are kind of already planted there for him to become something special there. So I think he's already well-respected. He can get just as good of a trade piece as um, Kobe can with his, you know, offensive um, you know, excellence. It really, it'd be really tough to part with either one of them, I think. I mean, really tough because I just know, one, you know, I'm sure we'll see it with Kobe getting an injury, a small injury down the line. Hopefully I'll knock on wood here to prevent anything major, but we're going to really miss Kobe if we lose that coming off the bench. And so I would hate to see that um, not be replaced with, uh, you know, the equal um, starting lineup pop that we need. Yeah, hundred percent. I, it, it, you look at the bench right now and it's thin when it comes to scoring baskets, Troy Brown can hit threes. Yeah. Dennis, Derek Jones Jr. Can hit threes. Yeah. But not consistently enough. Like Kobe has been playing. Kobe's been playing. Uh, lights out basketball off the bench and I think we all kind of talked in the offseason if that's what Kobe White can become he's that's that perfect role for him perfect role for him on a winning team spot up shooter he never could become the point guard that we wanted him to and I feel like we all kind of seen that from day one of him being in a Bulls uniform is Kobe White's not going to be our future point guard Lonzo Ball fits his system perfectly Kobe White doesn't and Kobe's playing his well, his role greatly, you know, and that's that's a very positive. So it would be tough. And I will say this, you know, according to my sources, like Lucas said earlier, Twitter, Patrick Williams is no longer wearing a brace or a cast, which is positive. They said he's about two weeks ahead of his recovery time, which they said his recovery time could be anywhere from early March to mid-April. So that could if by some chance we could get Patrick Williams back in let's say mid-March 
you know, give him about two weeks coming off the bench, a week back in the starting lineup and him ready and back in for playoff position, that could help with our Giannis problem. But I mean, at the end of the day, I still like, like that scares the shit out of me. It's different basketball. Like, like Larry said as well, like it's, it's different. And I feel like we all can easily just tell by watching Vucevic cannot pick up Giannis by any means. Like he is a slow dude. He is not quick. Yeah. He's, you know, he's a solid center who can shoot threes. Uh, he's been very wishy-washy this year, but he ain't picking up Giannis. And we all know that. Yeah, he's not, he's not an answer to that. Yeah. And I feel like what is our be- next best option to pick up Giannis? Is it Derek Jones Jr.? Like, is it the dog? <laughs> like it, it <laughs> God, I already love this podcast so much. I already love it. Um, yeah, it's probably was it Derek Jones Jr. Like nobody's picking up Giannis. And I think we last year in the finals. Like DeAndre Aiden's a better center than I mean, who is that who was is that who was guarding Giannis in the finals last year? DeAndre Ayton? I feel like that's the only so. that's the only dude qualified, and he was working him. And Aiton's a better center than Vucevic is, especially defensively. Like, that scares me. Obviously, if we're talking out west, that scares me as well. So how are we going to fix this problem? We're going to have to who trade someone. We, we I don't know. I don't want to trade. I don't want to trade. Dude, it's so hard. Think Will has the answers, Lucas? Come on. Let's... Yeah, I think. No, I do think Will has the answers. In AK, we, we trust. In AK, Wait. we trust. If Manfred was listening to the Hit by Pod, then obviously Adam Silver's listening to the Chicago podcast. So let's <laughs> let's get the league in in notice. I'm sure AK is listening to talking hypotheticals. I'm not going to answer hypotheticals. Right. <laughs> Don't use the word if. Don't do not bring the word if into this goddamn podcast. <laughs> Did he say don't use the word if? No, he said he was arguing. He's like, it's not a hypothetical, but if. This happens, and then George responds. He's like, "Well, I don't want to argue um, this, but I'd say since you used the word if that it is a hypothetical, that's." What and then says. finally, yeah, then he finally cleaned it up to way the way he wanted it, and he was like, "Is seeing Justin Fields as like the future QB like a prerequisite for yeah. the head coach position?" And then he was like, and then he didn't really answer it. <laughs> it was like we are we are asking them to are, tell us what they're gonna do. We are going <laughs> we are going to see what the plan is. <laughs> I'll get back to you on that. I'll let you know I'll let you know when we <laughs> Hi yes thank you for explaining a job interview. Yeah right literally <laughs> all right all right yeah I mean I we all seen how it played out in 2013 dude I, I feel bad for the candidates with the with these interviews I really do like 2013 when they made Bruce Arians do a whole mock press conference to see how he handled the media uh, what what George McCaskey hey hey Bruce this is uh this is Joe from the Chicago Tribune what the fuck like i oh my gosh like i that that is still to this day mind-boggling i i don't know maybe once again i i'm a little biased here but i you can't tell me that we might not be wearing a super bowl ring if bruce arians is not our head coach for those years he made carson palmer look like an mvp jay cutler was better than carson palmer that's the biggest miss and miss in bears history 
It ha- dude, I don't care. It has to be. It has to be. You can say all what you is? Like, not hiring Bruce Arians. I can think of a draft pick and a field goal that are pretty big misses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. oh, oh, oh okay. I will say this. If we're comparing Mark Tressman to Mitch Trubisky and Bruce Arians and Patrick Mahomes, it can't be done. Mitch was so much better than Mark Tressman ever was at his job. Yes. No, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And like, I'm not, I'm not going to. We're not going to go down this foxhole right now because we can't, we don't have enough time. We got to wrap this thing. I think, uh, I don't know how much, how long we've been going, but under a good offense, Mitch Trubisky is a plenty capable quarterback. He's not great. He's not all famer, but he's average to a little slightly above average uh, like under the right system. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Under a good Matt Nagy, he got the job done. Cody Park, he didn't. Yeah. Adam Shaheen, George Kittle, that's up there. That's <laughs> that is tough. That's so tough. basically, to answer my question, I would say um, Sabanis is who I would like to trade the Bulls for. <laughs> I would like the Bulls to trade the Bulls for. <laughs> Sabanis would be awesome. Uh, Christian. Yeah, Wood- how do we get these guys without giving anything up? <laughs> yeah, tell, yeah. Just be like, you want to come win, force a right. force a buyout, and then you know we'll sign you to a vet minimum. That's how they do it these days. I think we have a uh, twenty thirty first round pick for you guys. Yeah, right. we'll, we'll send you a, an eight year old, and then you send us. That class is looking real special. The twenty thirty draft class is looking pretty real. <laughs> oh, hey, Pistons, Nets, Warriors. Next three games for the Bulls. Uh, I guess we'll reevaluate then. I don't know when we're going to be coming to you next. I feel like this is kind of just like a go with the Chicago news type flow thing. You know, this isn't a weekly thing. There isn't a game every single week uh, like there is for the NFL. Or So I'm sure once we hire a head coach and a GM, we'll be getting back to you. That'll probably be our next uh, talking point. And then we'll see how the next uh, three games with the Pistons, Nets, and Warriors, I smell 3-0. and If we beat the Warriors... Obsidian. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Just oh. know it's going to be – it's going to be significant. Forward. All right, so uh, we'll talk to you guys uh, next time when we announce uh, Greg Roman and Morocco Brown. Woo! Yep. Speak it into existence, boys. Thank you guys uh, for tuning in to Around the Loop, episode number one. Uh, and have a – Go Bears. Oh, yeah, go, yeah, go, go Bulls. <laughs> go, go Bulls. See red. Go Bulls. See red, baby. See red. Go Marlins. Go Marlins. Yes. <laughs> go Beloit Sky Carp. Go fish, baby. <laughs> Do they fly? So the Sky Carp is, is actually yeah. a goose. Yeah, it's a bird. Goose. With a so, like, here, here's here's the logo. Um, oh, he's already got merch. Let's go. No, this is this is my boss's business card, actually. Um, but uh, no merch yet. Uh, we're working on it. But yeah, a sky carp is a goose. <laughs> yes, it's a goose that does not migrate for the winter. Is it like so. A